The Colorado Avalanche are the Stanley Cup champions. The Tampa Bay Lightning's bid for three-peating comes up just short. And the Florida Panthers have a new coach. We've got all this and more coming up on today's Locked On NHL podcast. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And hello, everybody, and welcome to the Monday edition of the Locked On NHL podcast. Gil Martin, always glad to be with you, and thank you for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. The Colorado Avalanche have won the Stanley Cup for the first time in 21 years. We are joined by Chris Maselli and Kyle Sullivan, the co-hosts of Locked On Avalanche. First, I want to Tell everyone that today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Gentlemen, congratulations. Your team you, is sir. the Stanley Cup champions. Uh, and and I, I have to give credit. Uh, I really was impressed with the defense that they played, especially mm. in the third period of game six. Yeah, well. We have to thank you, Gil, because we couldn't have done that defense without the the New York Islanders and that wonderful deal that we have obviously benefited from for Devon Taves. No, defensively, they were fantastic in, in the third period. Um, I don't know, what, Kyle, do you know what the final shots on goal were for, for Tampa in the third? But I know they got their, their first with like 10. They had four total. <laughs> I mean, there you go. And I know they had their first with like 10 minutes, like halfway through. And it was from like new, the neutral zone, just like thrown, yeah. thrown on. So, wow. I mean, you, I'm here. Like, I'm thinking like, don't let up. Don't, you know, keep playing your game. You're an offensive minded team. You have a great defense, but don't just sit back. And I'm they, they didn't, you know, they, they, they played, a, they still had an offensive mindset and let's get another goal and, you know, expand that lead. But when, you know, Tampa would, would get the, the puck and go, in the opposite direction, they, they, that was the best defensive period that they've had probably all season. And it came in a game clinching Stanley cup playoff game. Like I, I, I'm baffled by that. I'm not baffled by it. I'm just like, I, I, I can't wrap my head around how amazing that defense was in the third period. Yeah. And it like to couple off of Chris's point, like staying to your game, you could tell easily in that first period that it was the tale of two game plans. Jared Bednar had the long game in mind that entire game. Tampa wanted to get out early and try and take the heart out of Colorado. And that's exactly what they wanted. Um, they were outshot in the first period, but you could tell over the entire game that tempo was shifting. And in that third period, they locked down. And you could tell like a 2-1 win, it felt more like a three or four like goal win like they were a dominant force throughout that game you could tell by them complaining over every call and that the momentum was shifting tampa couldn't do anything to stop it no and and you know you talk about the lightning such a, a talented offensive team i mean your stamkos your headmans your palats the list goes on and on and here they are down by a goal five minutes left three minutes left two minutes left they pull the goalie they still couldn't get too many no. shots on goal. Uh, hats off 
to the Avalanche, and they did it on the road, no less, without having the last change, without having the crowd behind them. It, it was just a very impressive performance. Yeah, I think uh, everybody wanted it to to be on home ice. That's that's what you want to win this thing because it's the greatest trophy in sports, and you want to celebrate it in front of your fans. But I think you know uh, they're they're human beings. You know, and I think there was some nerves that got to the Avs being once they got that third win and now they just need that one more. It is on home ice. Everything was set up for them to to win this thing. But I, I do. I think some nerves got to them. It goes away as the game you know goes on. Uh, but I, I think having a game that they, they, they played one game with those three wins needing the one. And I think that was huge for them, you know, because they, they had they'd never done that before. So they, they now they go to Tampa. This team is fine on the road. I don't think that bothered them in the least. I think they they had the you know having that one game on their back. Like okay, this is what we need to do to to seal this thing because you know Tampa's not going to go anywhere. Um, I think was a huge thing for them uh, going into Tampa, and it showed. They they were not swayed uh, really at all, and Tampa tried to. Someone gooning up a little bit in the second period when the Avalanche took the lead. And teams have been trying to do that to them all postseason, and they really don't entertain it. Kyle, and like, wanted, oh, sorry, go ahead. And like to Chris's point about playing at Tampa, it the entire narrative, the entire series has been what Tampa's not doing and giving away the cup. And it felt fitting for players like Nazem Kadri. Cogliano, Eric Johnson, these longtime vets to win it in the back-to-back champions home ice. Like it felt fitting that they did it there where they were always discounted. And every question that they got after they won the cup was how did you rebound from that terrible season that you had? It always felt like they were looked down upon and what better way to cap off this wonderful story. You could have done it at home. It would have been a wonderful narrative to wrap the whole story up and put a bow on it. But to go into Tampa, play your best game of the Stanley Cup playoffs in Tampa and have such a dominant performance, it was just a fitting way to finally get some notice that, hey, Colorado's here for a while. Got to ask you about this. Heading into the series, everybody was saying the biggest edge Tampa Bay has is in goal. And, you know, Vasilevsky versus Kemper. Got to give credit to Darcy Kemper for the job he did in this series and for the team, the way they played in front of him as well. That was the the talking point. You're right, Gil. I mean, and and it was it was the talking point for the Avs. Like, can Darcy Kemper win this for the Avs? He's going up against Vasilevsky, and they're they're not really going up against each other, because the other uh, talking point was, well, the Avalanche haven't faced a, a real good goalie in the postseason. What they went through with, you know, St. Louis and and uh, the Predators, and then the Oilers, and everybody was like, can they get past Vasilevsky? And it's just odd to hear that from, you know, a team that was from the beginning of the season to the end, one of the best teams in the league. Everybody's trying to find like the the chink in the armor for the Avs. And they answered every single question that that the kind of the, the detractors wanted to pin on them. And I'm not saying it was like an easy uh, road by any stretch of the imagination to beat Tampa. Like they are defending champs. They have the best goalie in the league who probably will be for the next 10 years. But they have as much a good as offense as, as anybody in the league, and they just keep coming at you. And 
it, it's tough. It's tough to ask even somebody like Andre Vasilevsky to stop this team. I mean, once the Avs got up three to one in the series, I'm not going to say it was over, but it's just tough to beat this team three times in a row. And that's what you were asking Tampa to do. And I just didn't see it happening. I, and, and, you know, I, I was hoping for home ice, obviously, but uh, it doesn't matter where you do it. You're bringing the cup home just the same. Yeah, it's it's fitting that every bit of the playoffs, it was what can the Avalanche do against a Vesna winning like contender, what you had in Nashville, and then you went to St. Louis, and here's Bennington. Here's another incredible goalie. Then Edmonton, what are they going to do against Connor McDavid and this firepower? And after mm-hmm. making each step, it's the ultimate test in Tampa Bay. What are they going to do against this complete back-to-back team? And the Avalanche proved themselves every step of the way. And if you're going to allow the back-to-back champions on home ice to only get 23 shots and have this offensive firepower that Colorado has, it's about time to start taking notice and comparing your team to Colorado with the way they're structured and how Joe Sackick has put this team together, not just this year, but for years to come and to get here. Very true. Very impressive job by Sackick. And, uh, and and I think the other moral of the story is don't win the president's trophy. It's not, yes. worth, it. <laughs> not worth it. Yeah, not right. It. One last question for you guys. Uh, Kale McCarr, Con Smythe trophy. Do you think that was the right choice and why? Yeah, I think it, it was really down to who. I mean, it was going to be him, Nathan McKinnon, Nachuskin, Nathan McKinnon. And I think it kind of stopped there. Um, I, I, there's really nobody else that was really kind of uh, going to be up in that that top three tier. So, yeah, I mean, um, what do you have, 29 points total? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's a defenseman. <laughs> Let's not lose sight of that. That Gail McCarr is a defenseman. Um, he, he was just that that first round against Nashville was unstoppable. And, um, you know, he carried it on. Sure, you're going to have games where – you're not your best. That's why this, this postseason is a haul for, yep. for hockey, but overall, um, and he, and he battled through some injuries, you know, you're getting beat up in these games. And even, even in, uh, the, the Stanley cup clinching game, like got knocked around a little bit, but, mm-hmm. um, he's not going to sit down for that. Nobody is. Yeah. So yeah, I, I agree with it. I think that that's the right call. And like to Chris's point, like he had some quiet games, but he still was, able to put up 29 points like ever since he won the norris trophy it's like he carried around in his pocket was slowed down a little bit but i mean <laughs> let him collect all the hardware this year because this has been a incredible just playoffs for kale mccarr and he's about to become a household name so if you haven't taken notice of kale mccarr yet i don't know how you haven't but now <laughs> there's no way you don't know the name of kale mccarr because he's won about everything you could possibly win this year and this is just his first go round hey, he's just getting started yeah, that's the scary part for the other 31 teams in this yeah. league. So, guys, congratulations, Colorado Thanks, Avalanche, winners of the 2022 Stanley Cup. Gentlemen, why don't you tell our listeners and our viewers where they could find you guys on social media and where they could find the podcast? Uh, social media, the show L-O-P-N underscore Avalanche. That's on Twitter. Uh, we have um, Locked on Avalanche over on Instagram and then our YouTube channel. Search for Locked on Avalanche. And Kyle does uh, some good stuff on uh, his personal Twitter page, which is at Shaggy Von Doom. Love it. <laughs> All right, guys, it's always a pleasure to have you both here. Thanks for joining us and congratulations again. Thanks, Gil. Go as go.
Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including the Stanley Cup Finals and Major League Baseball. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. My pleasure to welcome back to the show the host of Locked On Lightning, Adam Danker. And Adam, so close. Uh, I really thought after you guys scored first in game six that you guys would at least force a game seven. But uh, a heck of a run for the Tampa Bay Lightning. What happened in game six? I mean, you know, they had the one nothing lead. What went wrong after that? Well, what went wrong, Gil, was just uh, this this team just couldn't keep up the pace they were playing with uh, after a spectacular win in game five to four, six to go back to Tampa. Uh, you really started to see the wear and tear of these last three playoff runs really show itself, as well as some of the inconsistencies that I've spoken about on this show with you many a times uh, that has plagued this Tampa team throughout the season. But I'm not going to sit here and make excuses because, listen, this Tampa had a lot of opportunities in this game early on to, to kind of give themselves a little bit of a pad uh, going into that second period. And, and that second period was really when the avalanche came in and, and turned it on to another gear. Uh, I got to tip my cap to the Colorado Avalanche because, listen, as disappointing as it is to lose in the Stanley Cup final, and, and listen, I am the last person to complain about losing in the final after winning two straight. Uh, what There's no other team that I would have rather have uh, lost to. I mean, the Colorado Avalanche, tip of the cap to them. Congratulations to Kyle and Chris from Locked on Avalanche. Uh, hell of a team. I'm, I'm sure these two teams will meet up with each other in the, in the Stanley Cup final over the next couple of years. I, I, I mean, just the amount of talent on both teams, I, I, I think – what it came down to, if we're going to summarize this game and, and just this entire series, was that, unfortunately, uh, the Lightning were not the better team. Uh, they ran into one of the the juggernaut of the NHL now, and, and you saw it especially in this game. Uh, once this period went halfway through to the second, uh, you know, after the McKinnon call, you kind of saw the tide really start to change in this game. And, and listen – uh, you saw a little bit of life in the third period, but unfortunately it was a little too late there for Tampa. You saw a little bit of life, and yet I, I think the Avalanche did a great job of limiting the scoring chances for the Lightning in that third period. I mean, down by a goal, what they have? Three shots on goal the whole period? Yeah, yeah. it wasn't until after the 10-minute mark in the third period where Tampa actually got their first shot. And, and really that is something that Colorado did a fantastic job this entire series uh, was that, you know, they were very heavy on the forecheck, uh, really boxed in Tampa along the boards and in the corners. Uh, and that's what really impressed me from this Colorado team was they're, you know, they're such a fast team. They're known for their offense, but you see the work that they put in along the boards. I mean, Gil, you saw it from my team the last two years in the Eastern Conference Finals, so you know firsthand. 
uh, really the work along the boards and, and getting into the dirty spots is really what's going to win you games in the end. And, and Colorado did a, a fantastic job of that in this one. And uh, yeah, Tampa wasn't able to to keep up with that and, and they couldn't really get anything going. And yeah, it just seems like the, the, the lightning were doing everything they could toward the end of that game to try to get the tying yeah. goal, but they just couldn't quite put it together. Yeah, uh, it, but like it goes back to what I said before, Gail. Really, I mean, they it, they dug a little bit of a hole for themselves. Granted, they were only down by one goal, but I mean, in this kind of game, um, I, I, the way they've been playing throughout this entire series, and you know, you have fatigue uh, on, you know, thrown into that equation as well. It's just the kind of team the Avalanche are. Uh, you know, that, that really is a deeper hole than one might think, uh, given given the difference. But you know what? Unfortunately, it, it the, the way it turned out, I mean, they played a great game, all things considered. And, uh, you know, if, if they were going to lose in the Stanley Cup final in any way, you know, uh, some people might think I'm crazy. I'm glad I'm, I'm glad in some kind of way that they did it at home, you know, uh, especially with everything that this team's gone through. At least, you know, they're not walking off the, the ice completely with their heads down. They're able to do it and kind of somewhat look at the crowd and celebrate their accomplishments from this season. Try to put in perspective the legacy of this team. I mean, in the salary cap era, winning two straight Stanley Cups, going to three straight Stanley Cup final is a heck of an accomplishment. Yeah. Put it in perspective a little bit for us. You know, it, it, I mean, it hasn't been done in terms of uh, three straight Stanley Cup final appearances since uh, the the Oilers back in the eighties, uh, and and three straight Stanley Cup wins since your Islanders back in the eighties. So we we all know how hard it is uh, to do that, and to do it two years in a row, especially with COVID and the shortened season last year, and then everything. Obviously, like you said, with the salary cap. Uh, and, and just, you know, superstar after superstar going down here and there. Uh, the legacy, I, I think it really, at least for the 2000s, I think definitely puts them up at the top of the list. Uh, when you think of the 2000s in terms of dynasties, you think of the Penguins, you think of, you know, you think of the early 2000s Devils, uh, the Kings, uh, the, the Blackhawks, those teams. But I, I think that everything that this team has gone through uh, and even this year, and, and you got to give it all up to to not even Julian Breeze boss, their general manager, but you know a little a lot of credit has to go towards Steve Yzerman, his time here. He really, you know, except for a few players that Breeze boss bought in here and there, uh, he built this team. And this is a lot of late round draft picks, and, and really, you know, that's that gives a little bit of uh, I guess hope to uh, Red Wings fans up there in Detroit of what he's trying to build. Uh, but in terms of legacy, this is, uh, you know, it's not over yet. That's the thing is that, you know, this still, you still have the same group of guys. There's probably going to be a couple of different names on the back of the jerseys next season when we start. But I, uh, I, I think, you know, still it's a little bit too early, I think, in the story to really sit down and really take a look back at, at where the legacy is because, uh, yeah, the, the, the book is still being, still being written on this team. What is the, the biggest thing that this team has to accomplish in the coming off season? They have to figure out a deal with Andre Palat. I, I think that's mandatory. Uh, that and Nick Paul, uh, those two guys during this whole uh, postseason have really been the guys that got things going. Uh, the guys that did a little bit of everything. Palat didn't exactly have a fantastic season, uh, but he's been here for eight years. He's been, he's one of the, the big leaders on this team. Uh, him and Stamkos on that first line are, are, an incredible duo 
and and you know it would it would be tough and i think really a, a big blow to this team if they were to lose a guy like that so i think working out a deal that is mutually beneficial to each to both parties i think what andre plot is definitely uh uh, a, a top priority on, on the Lightning's offseason list. And then, yeah, like I said, Nick Paul has been phenomenal since the Lightning uh, got him in a midseason trade at the deadline uh, from Ottawa, uh, really making a, a big difference from day one. Um, and, and I think what the Lightning need to do is maybe address their defensive core. They have Jan Ruda, who's going to be a UFA in the offseason. Uh, there's some people that think uh, that, you know, he's that, that they, they want him to come back. I, I think that maybe it might be time to look in a different direction has only averaged 40 games over the last three years. So, you know, really they're, they're as good and as talented this team is. Um, I think, you know, there's always room for improvement and we're going to have to see what moves may or may not be made uh, at the draft. You know, the lightning do have a first round draft pick this year uh, for the first time in the last couple of years. So, <laughs> They might, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they trade that away for 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 another name, uh, another notable name out in the market somewhere to maybe bolster their bottom lines or their defensive line. So we'll see. I mean, there's a lot of cards on the table for this Tampa team, you know, even though they're so hard pressed up against the cap. I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, you know, we 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 find them even better next season. So, you know, a lot of moves that need to be made um, and, and a lot of numbers that need to be crunched. That's definitely for sure. Adam, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they can find the podcast and where they can find you on social media? Uh, the podcast is available on YouTube, so go ahead and subscribe. Hit that notification bell. Uh, we'll definitely be talking a lot, not just only about this final, because uh, there really is a lot to unpack, not only from the final, but also from this playoff as a whole. Uh, so go ahead and subscribe to the pod, but we'll also be talking about some of the moves like we just mentioned that may or may not need to be made uh, in the off season. So check that out. We are available in audio form. So wherever you get podcasts, uh, we are there and we are free. And then you can follow the show at LO underscore lightning on Twitter, as well as locked on underscore uh, lightning on Instagram. Give me a follow at Danky Dank on Twitter. That's D E N K Y D eight and K. Uh, love hearing from all of you, and I'm really looking forward to this off season and looking forward. You know, I can't, I can't wait till August, uh, October 11th, Gil. Uh, you know, is as as crazy as it sounds. Uh, you know, we're just thinking. You know, we have a couple of months to kind of relax, and and you know, some. I, I'm. I have to admit, we always joke about this, how it's a little bit of exhausting these playoff runs, but I'm ready to jump right back into it. All right. Well, looking forward to it. Yeah. Thanks again, Adam. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure, Gil. My pleasure to welcome back to the show the host of Locked On Florida Panthers, Armando Velez. Armando, great to have you back. It's great to be back, Gil. Uh, most of the season, we've been talking about good things that have been going on with the Florida Panthers. The most recent appearance on the show was talking about not so great things going on with the Florida Panthers as at the time they were one game away from being swept by the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I guess this appearance is neither good or bad it's just is when it comes to the fact that the florida panthers hired a head coach in paul maurice now let's start with this were you surprised that they decided to not keep the interim head coach who you know got them to a president's trophy at first my first my initial prediction does was that andrew burnett was going to get a chance with the florida panthers and i was also in the agreement that the florida panthers Midseason should not take the interim tag off Andrew Burnett because 
as a franchise when Bill Zito has not chosen his GM as of yet, because when he when he came in, uh, Coach Quenwell was still the coach in place. He was a Dale Talon hire, but he also gives himself an opportunity to choose the guy that he wants to choose, regardless of the result that was going on at the time. And of course, Andrew Burnett did a great job under a very difficult circumstances. Um, the Florida Panthers at the time were seven and zero to start the season, and he was able to get fifty one wins. But with my initial prediction being that he would be the coach of the Florida Panthers going forward, it was starting to creep a little bit of doubt that he would be as days went on. And it took them exactly 30 days from the time that they were eliminated to the time that they made the news official of Paul Maurice being the guy. And I had an episode the day before the hiring was announced that I was starting to warm up to the idea of Paul Maurice being the coach. Because there was no connections with Barry Trotz to Florida. Every single national writer did not connect Trotz to Florida. So if there was going to be any other experienced coach out there that would take this job and that would probably be qualified for this job, it would have been Paul Maurice this whole time. As far as uh, Burnett is concerned, what do you think it would have taken? One more playoff round win? Two more playoff round wins? Or was it just... I want to bring in my own guy. I think neither of those. I think it's if you didn't get swept by the Tampa Bay Lightning. I think I think I think that the adjustments for Andrew Burnett when it came to round one against the Washington Capitals, I mean, it happened all the way until game four when they were down two to one. And it was drastic line changes for Andrew Burnett. It, of course it worked, but it was still waiting a little bit too long to create the the changes that he needed. And of course, more adjustments were were necessary in the very next series. And a lot of the Florida Panthers did not look good even in their round one series win against Washington. So and and the tires just fell flat in round two. The wheels broke off, even though they had a chance to send this game to overtime in game two of the series. Just that uh, last minute goal by the Tampa Bay Lightning was just very deflating for for the Panthers. And it just. I, I just think that whenever the window is what it is for the Panthers, Bill Zito doesn't think this is an opportunity to experiment with a new coach because this is a team that's in position that even though they have some cap issues right right now for their team and the, they have to make some moves in order to to bring um, to either resign X player that they don't want to they don't want to mess this opportunity up the fact that they have this window because as of we're recording this the Colorado Avalanche just won the Stanley Cup and you talk about Tampa Bay Lightning losing the President's Trophy and then winning um, excuse me winning the President's Trophy and then losing after in the first round and then Colorado Avalanche the last few years winning the President's Trophy and and not getting out of the second round so this is an opportunity for Bill Zito to to for this core of, of team for the Panthers to go for it now. And who, and with a guy with experience in Paul Maurice, it seems like that he feels comfortable with that. Stylistically, what, what do you like about this hire? And what do you think, what changes do you think he'll bring to the Panthers on the ice? Well, when, during his time in Winnipeg, I, I, I was looking at all the full seasons that he had from 2015 all the way to the time that he resigned in 2021 and it was mostly an offensive heavy team that he that he had um throughout that that span of course the the year that Connor Hellebuck won the Vesna trophy that's when actually the offense started to dip 
with with uh with the Winnipeg Jets. And of course, uh with with the length that he's been, he was there and uh, along with his two stints in Carolina, of course, he he was able to bring some accountability towards the end of his tenure in Winnipeg saying that they needed a new voice and it seems that no nobody coaches an extended period of time on any team regardless of the amount of times that he's missed the playoffs as well nobody gets nobody gets that amount of time with the team if they can't relate well to players and that's what the Florida Panthers are looking for and that's what they're they're looking for a guy to relate to the players who's ready to bring the best out of them and there's a very popular video of Kevin Weeks when he was talking about about Paul Maurice telling him when he was going to get in the game. So he's very good at uh, pumping up his players. And there's a lot of criticism when it comes to the hire. Uh, I've, I've heard all of it. And there's, I, I compare it to where, you know, you know all about Barry Trotz. And he, before he won the Stanley Cup with the Washington Capitals, he never got out of the second round. So that, that that's, that's, that's an example of, this guy needs just needs a new chance in a new situation. This is one of the best teams that he's going to have an opportunity to coach. He did have a great Winnipeg Jets team in 2018 that got them to the conference finals. Of course, some coaching decisions that were big, big alarms, benching uh, benching uh, Andrew Kopp as one of them in, in game seven against the Vegas Golden Knights. So, But that's also an opportunity for him to learn from his mistakes of the past and to see what he could bring to Florida. What is the most important thing now that this team, now you got the coach coaching situation settled. What does this team need to do most this off season? I think the answer is try to resign Claude Drew. That's priority number one. If, if I'm and Bill Zito right now, because the last two years since he's made his trades and I'll, I'll just give a few examples. Sam Bennett, he was able to resign. Brandon Montour for a third round pick. He was able to resign. Sam Reinhart got traded his RFA rights, got him got him to resign. Well, the pan, here's the issue with the Panthers. They only have just about $3 million in cap space right now going into this upcoming season. The majority of Keith Yandel's buyout is going to be on the books this coming season, about $5.4 million. And then the rest of that uh, will go way down. Jonathan Huberto um, is up for an extension but the cap hit on that extension won't hit until the next offseason. So they got to work on trying to get that. Barkoff's new contract co- comes into play um, this upcoming season, $10 million cap hit. Carver Hagee as well, his new contract uh, comes into play now, but they signed him at a pretty good value deal the previous offseason. So that's already taken care of. But there is a there is a guy on the fourth line who's not producing at the rate that he was when he was winning Stanley Cups with the Pittsburgh Penguins in Patrick Hornquist. Sure, he's on power play too. Sure, he's a leader on the team, but that's a cap hit for that the Florida Panthers right now just cannot afford a guy who's only going to play about 12 minutes a night. So that's a contract that they have to try to move. But there are some clauses in that contract for the Panthers. There are also have been rumors about trying to trade Sergey Bobrovsky and keeping 50% of the cap hit, but he does have a full no movement clause. So that is going to be an even harder contract for the Florida Panthers to trade. And the combined uh, cap for the Panthers goalie tandem is just under 11 and Spencer Knight will be an RFA next off season. <clears throat> so they got to figure out 
they're going to pay Spencer Knight. However, how if you are unable to trade Sergey Bobrovsky and keep 50% of that cap, how is when it's time to pay Spencer Knight, how's that going to work? So that's why they're trying to make that happen, but it's going to be a little harder to make it work. A lot of challenges ahead. Armando, I'm sure you'll keep everyone up to date throughout the offseason. Why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find you on social media and where they could find the podcast? They can follow me on Twitter personally at MondoMan12. They, they'll see all of tweets in relation to the Panthers. And because it's the summer, uh, they'll be seeing more Marlins tweets uh, this summer. That's for sure. But And, of course, uh, Dolphins coming up in the in the fall for football season, but definitely some Panthers in relation to news trades, everything. And of course, locked on Panthers anywhere you listen to podcasts at L O underscore F L a Panthers. All right. Armando, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us today. As always, Gil. Thank you so much. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On NHL Podcast. want to thank my guests, Chris Maselli and Kyle Sullivan of Locked On Avalanche, Adam Danker of Locked On Lightning and Armando Velas of Locked On Florida Panthers. Everybody have a great Monday, a great week ahead. Thank you so much for joining us for the Locked On NHL podcast. Stay safe, and we'll be back with more great NHL coverage with uh, throughout the week right here on the Locked On NHL podcast. I'm Gil Martin. Thanks again for listening.